A violent typhoon heads to Japan. Even the area some distance away from the strongest winds could receive several hundred millimetres of rain. How technology could reduce the financial and environmental costs of aviation. They expect the benefits over 10 years to be about 10 billion to the aviation industry. And weather warnings in force on Friday across Britain. Because it's been so wet, extra rain falling could cause some flooding problems. It's Thursday, the 10th of October, and you're listening to Weathersnap from the Met Office. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir, and this is Weathersnap, an insider's guide to the week's weather brought to you direct from Met Office HQ. Japan is bracing itself for yet another powerful tropical storm as Typhoon Hagibis tracks towards the country. To find out the latest, I spoke to Julian Hemming, tropical prediction scientist here at the Met Office. What's the latest with this typhoon? Typhoon Hagibis has maintained its intensity over the last couple of days, so it's still considered a violent typhoon on the descriptions used by the Japanese Meteorological Agency. Now, if that was positioned over in the Atlantic and we used the uh, Saffir-Simpson scale, which a lot of us are familiar with, then it would still be a Category 5 hurricane. So it's still an extremely powerful typhoon. It's been a very busy season so far. This is the third typhoon to affect Japan. Yes, that's right. Early in the season, we had uh, Typhoon Francisco, which hit the far southwest of uh, Japan. That wasn't extremely intense uh, typhoon. But then we had Faxai about a month ago. Now, that was quite powerful as it hit the Tokyo area and caused quite a lot of damage. And there were uh, wind gusts were actually recorded of around 130 miles an hour in the Tokyo area. So this is a similar track and it's likely to affect some really large centres of population, namely Tokyo, Hiroshima. Now, Tokyo alone, its central population is around 14 million. You can double that as you extend out across the metropolitan area. Well, yes, the strong winds will be focused on a fairly small area around the uh, eye of the typhoon as it makes landfall. Now, there is scope for the track of it to vary slightly, so we can't be totally sure at this stage exactly where it's going to come ashore. But there'll be impacts way beyond that as well. There'll be a storm surge right along the coastal areas of Honshu. And also, it's a very large typhoon, and there'll be a huge amount of rain as well. And even the areas some distance away from the strongest winds on the outskirts of the typhoon could receive several hundred millimetres of rain, so that's going to cause some flooding impacts Incredibly worrying for people living in that area, certainly because they're just recovering from the last typhoon. Is this quite common? Well, it's quite variable how many typhoons Japan gets in a season. There have been seasons where they've had as many as 10 typhoons hit them. Sometimes you'll get another season where the tracks of the typhoons tends to be more westward, so they'll head towards places like the Philippines, uh, Taiwan. So getting uh, three typhoon landfalls is sort of not exceptional, but it's something which does happen every now and again. Thanks very much, Julian Hemming. For more information, you can check out the Met Office Storm's Twitter feed or, in fact, go to the Japanese Met Service website where there's a lot of information as well. When it comes to aviation, few factors have more influence than the weather. From safety to scheduling, accurate weather details are vital. The World Area Forecast System, or WAFS, provides aviators and terminals with the latest atmospheric data and operates from two global centres. 
The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, in the USA, and right here at the Met Office. The Met Office team recently unveiled ambitious plans for a new generation of high-resolution data sets, and Ada McGiven spoke to Jonathan Dutton, head of Met Office Aviation. John, what exactly is the World Area Forecast Service? Well, it's a service which is the provision of global information for aviation, and it's really designed to enable airlines to flight plan for any route around the world. So how does the Met Office contribute exactly? So we provide a whole global set of data from our supercomputer capability, and that involves a range of information about wind and temperature, humidity, and also significant weather information, so that's really the hazards of thunderstorms, turbulence and icing. We have a team of forecasters who work 24 hours a day to provide forecasts of significant weather for the globe. So when I'm on a plane and the pilot says there's an area of turbulence coming up, that essentially is based on Met Office forecasts? Yeah, well we share the responsibility with the colleagues over in the US. So uh, airlines around the world will either be using the UK or the US data. So it's important for that reason. Are there any other reasons why this information is so important? Every time an airline plans a route anywhere in the world, they'll file a flight plan. And within that is a fuel calculation. And that fuel calculation is really dependent on the winds. Let's say you fly from uh, London to New York. Very often, you'll see the flight time as being about an hour longer than the flight back again. And that's because you're flying into a headwind. Now, of course, the stronger that headwind, the longer the flight time and the more fuel you'll need. And without an accurate calculation of that headwind and that fuel burn, Frankly, fundamentally, the aircraft could run out of fuel if it's got that wrong. And these forecasts are produced something like every six hours? Yeah, 24 hours a day, every six hours. It is a large global data set of information. So we provide the service on behalf of International Civil Aviation Organisation. So whether you're flying in the UK, Australia or anywhere in the world, uh, the data is there for, for airlines to use. Now, you've just come back from a big conference in Montreal with mm. news of exciting changes ahead. The information we're providing is fairly coarse resolution and certainly much more coarse than we are able to provide. So the current horizontal resolution is about 140 kilometres. So if you imagine a grid spacing around the world, 140 kilometres apart, that's how often we're providing a data point. We're going to move to a system where it's much higher resolution and rather than 140 kilometres horizontal resolution, it will be more like 25 kilometres global resolution. Um, so it's a massive increase in the amount of data points we're providing. In addition to that, we're providing a lot more information vertically. So at the moment, the atmosphere stretching up to, say, 45,000 feet. Uh, we will provide about 17 different levels vertically. Be providing that information at every 1,000 feet as well. The higher resolution, of course, will bring big benefits, won't it? Yeah, so we've done a study into that. We've asked an independent company to provide a study into that, and they expect the benefits over 10 years to be about 10 billion to the aviation industry. And that's through things like reduced fuel burn, environmental benefits, uh, and reduced injury as well from uh, turbulence. John, very interesting to speak to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. The weather remains very unsettled across the UK. Rain or showers have been in the forecast every day this week, with some parts yet again being flooded. More rain warnings are in force for the end of the working week. Alex Deacon has the details. 
Well, Claire, there is plenty more rain to come. Now, the details day on day over the next week or so will be difficult to pin down, but the broad theme is for more rain and at times more gusty winds. Why is everything so lively? Well, it's all to do with an active jet stream lying pretty much right across the UK. That will be generating and spinning up areas of low pressure. They'll bring the wet and windy weather at times. There are warnings in force, especially on Friday, because it's been so wet extra rain falling could cause some flooding problems. Through the weekend, well, it won't rain everywhere all weekend. There'll be some drier and brighter spells, especially on Saturday morning, and particularly central areas may by and large have a fine day on Saturday, but another spell of rain across the south and plenty of showers further north. The rain could pep up again on Sunday across parts of the south, and we need to watch the winds on Sunday because they could pick up across the south as well. Even into next week, it remains unsettled. Further low pressure systems, further bouts of wet and windy weather to come. Thank you, Alex. Now here's Martin Bowles with last week's highs and lows. Here are your weekly extremes from Monday the 30th of September to Sunday the 6th of October. The highest max occurred on Tuesday the 1st of October when Troscoid in Keredigon reached a high of 21.3 Celsius. It was during the early morning of Thursday that the lowest temperature was recorded dipping to a low of minus 2.9 Celsius in Dalwini in the Highlands of Scotland. An amber warning for rain was issued across East Anglia on Sunday the 6th of October and there were some reports of minor flooding. In fact, Cromer in Norfolk saw the highest daily rainfall with 36.8 millimetres. Wednesday was the driest day and for some the sunniest. East Malling in Kent clocked up 11.4 hours. This has been Weather Snap. I'm Claire Nazir. This week's producer was Adrian Holloway. Do join us again next time. Weather Snap is a podcast by the UK Met Office.